Well, we've been walking through the book of Romans now for several weeks, and today we're going to finish chapter 3. Romans is about what's wrong with the world. It's about what's wrong with the human race. But also, and uh, more importantly, it's about what God has done through Jesus Christ to set things right. And last week we talked about God's solution to the problem of human sin, that that magnificent paragraph that Craig walked us through. Uh, God's solution to the problem of human sin is the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus died in our place. He uh, paid the penalty for our sin. Jesus' blood has taken away our guilt. His blood has taken away our condemnation. And now through faith in Christ, Uh, We heard for the first time in in Romans, now through faith in Christ, God has justified us. God has declared us to be righteous in his sight. Not because of anything we've done, um, but purely out of his grace. It's just pure gift, this righteous standing with him in Christ. And I don't have to tell you, this is tremendous news. This is uh, wonderful news. Uh, we love to talk about it here at Grace Bible Church. Sometimes we use a, a shorthand many of you are familiar with that we're justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. Uh, wonderful, concise statement of justification by faith. But, and, and this is really important, uh, justification by faith is not simply a slogan. I mean, some of us geek out on this stuff. We love the history of the Reformation and the recovery of these doctrines. I have a a poster in my office with these statements about, you know, grace alone, faith alone, and so forth. Um, It's good to know our theology. It's good to have our doctrinal ducks in a row, but we can't stop there. See, justification by faith is lived theology. It's lived theology. What do I mean? I mean justification by faith changes us. It it, it changes how we think. It changes how we live. It changes how we relate to other people. And Paul, uh, Paul knows that. He knows that justification by faith is more than truth we confess. We do indeed confess it. It's more than that, though. It's truth that transforms. And, and Paul wants to help his readers get that. And so after writing you know, one of the most theologically dense paragraphs in all of the New Testament, that, that section we looked at last Sunday, uh, chapter 3, 21 through 26, immediately after that, Paul gets to the so what question. How does the doctrine of justification by faith impact our lives? Why does it matter? What, um, how does it change us? And Paul starts answering that question in the passage we're looking at today. Uh, Three implications of justification by faith. Three ways justification by faith changes how I think about myself, how I think about others, and even how I think about God's law. So so here are the implications, three of them today. Uh, Justification by faith, number one, excludes boasting. Justification by faith excludes boasting. Number two, justification by faith unites believers. And then number three, justification by faith upholds the law. So it excludes boasting, 
It unites believers and it upholds God's law. Let me read our passage, uh, Romans 3, 27 through 31, and then I'll pray. This is God's word. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Let me pray for us. Our gracious Father, we pray that you would renew our minds with your word this morning. Would you help us to live in its grace and power? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the first implication of justification by faith, it excludes boasting. It excludes boasting. And Paul uh, addresses this, verses uh, 27 and 28. You know, he returns to that question and answer style that we heard him uh, use in chapter 2. And he begins with this issue of, of boasting. In light of justification by faith, what becomes of our boasting? And, and maybe you're sitting there, you know, you were taught as a child not to brag, not to boast, and you think, why is Paul, why does he start with boasting? Why this question? And there's really uh, two reasons. There's a specific reason and a more general reason. The specific reason, the situation there in Rome, in the house churches in Rome. Uh, there's tension between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. They're having trouble getting along. And, and the Jewish Christians tend to boast about their Jewishness. You know, we are the descendants of Abraham. We're God's chosen people. God has given us his law, the Torah, and we keep his law. Or so they thought. Paul shows they, they didn't. But they're, they're boasting about their, their ethnic heritage, their, their Jewishness. It paints the Gentile Christians as second-class citizens. You know, it's like the Jewish Christians are saying, you, you can ride on the bus, but you have to sit in the back. Um, that's where you belong. And so that's the specific reason, the, the Jewish Christians boasting about their Jewishness. But there's a more basic reason Paul addresses this issue of boasting, and it's our tendency to boast about ourselves. You know, back in chapter 1, in that catalog of human depravity, as Paul just lists, you know, sin after sin that, that humanity is uh, characterized by, he includes boasting, includes boastfulness. It's one of uh, our characteristics uh, as broken sinners. And, and the boasting Paul is talking about here, realize it, it's different than uh, taking satisfaction in a job well done, or it's different than um, a parent's delight in their child's success. There's not anything necessarily wrong with, with that. The, the boasting Paul is talking about here is that, that proud, uh, self-centered, self-absorbed bragging. You, you know what I'm talking about? Um, athletes are, are notorious for this. I, I enjoy 
watching NBA basketball, and there's a lot of talented players in the NBA, but some of them are a little full of themselves. I mean, a a player will hit a three-point shot and act like no one has ever done this before in the history of basketball. And it it takes skill, no doubt. But but I want to say to that player, I mean, you're paid millions of dollars and you practice for hours each day. You better hit that shot. You know, as I said, most of us when we were kids were taught not to brag. And we know as adults that that just blatantly bragging about ourselves is not going to score us points with other people. But uh, we come up with subtle ways to do it. Um, Have you heard of the humble brag? It's this idea, it's it's something you say to other people and it it sounds self-deprecating. It sounds like you're being humble, but you're actually showing off uh, to the other person. Let me give you some examples. You know, don't you just hate it when you go to the store and they can't break a $100 bill for you? You know, the message is, I'm loaded. Um, or, I'm so busy at work, everyone asks me to work on all the important projects. You know, oh, woe is me. Or, or you know, uh, us church people will kind of do the, the religious humble brag. You know, my knees are just so sore today. You know, it was a long prayer time this morning. Boasting is what we do as, as self-absorbed people. And, and Paul says here, look, the gospel, this good news of justification by faith, it, it rules out boasting. Uh, he says, what becomes of our boasting? And answers in verse 27, it's excluded. Uh, it's out of bounds. The gospel shuts the door on human boasting. And, and we want to ask, why? Why does justification by faith rule out boasting. And you hear Paul, he asks the question, by what kind of law? Law here meaning principle. What principle rules out boasting? Is it the principle of works or the principle of faith? And you think about the principle of works, works of obedience. I mean, theoretically, that leaves the door open to to boasting, right? If, If justification is by works, if something I've done makes me right with God, then, then I have reason to boast. I did this. I, I climbed up the ladder into God's good graces, and, and you all should be applauding my efforts. But the principle of faith slams the door shut on that kind of thinking. Verse 28, Paul says, uh, We are justified by faith apart from any works of obedience that we do apart from works of the law. In other words, we are justified by faith alone. Martin Luther, in his translation of this verse, added the word alone. It's not there in the Greek, but it captures the meaning here. We're we're not justified by anything we do, but by faith alone. By definition, faith excludes boasting. You know, faith is not something we, we muster up and God sees it and says, wow, they are such faithful people. I'm going to reward them now with my salvation for having so much faith. No, faith is just a, an empty hand that we hold out to God. And say, I, I have nothing, God. I have no righteousness of my own. I have nothing to contribute but my sin. I, I'm needy. I need your grace. You see, faith receives, it doesn't contribute. Faith 
receives everything from Christ and contributes nothing. The faith that justifies rests entirely on Jesus Christ. Um, not myself, uh, not, not who I am or anything I've done. Faith is, is looking away from the self, getting our eyes off of our navels and looking to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's trusting in what He has done, His life, death, and resurrection. And so because I'm trusting in Him and God has filled my empty hands with His grace, I give up boasting. I give up bragging about myself. Now, boasting, you know, it's certainly rooted in pride. The, the boastful person is a proud person, but, but often boasting is, is a mask for insecurity. It's a way to kind of distract from, from a person's sense that, that they don't measure up. You know, I, I, I'm lacking in some way, and, and people are going to see right through me, so I have to, I have to preempt their judgment by, by making a big deal out of myself. Have, have you ever seen those t-shirts that say, I, I'm kind of a big deal? Um, we might not be so brazen as to wear that kind of shirt, but we, we talk like it often. Because deep down inside, we know that we're not a big deal. We know that we don't measure up. And justification by faith, it it frees us from that way of life, of trying to convince others that that we are a big deal, Uh, trying to to, uh, freeze us from the burden of constructing our own identity, an identity that, that rests on my successes, my accomplishments, um, picking myself up by the bootstraps. And, and hopefully, you know, all that, that self-constructed identity will erase my insecurities. And at the end of the day, we realize it did nothing to erase those insecurities. But, but justification frees me from all of that. Through faith in Christ, I receive an identity. I don't, I don't make an identity for myself. I receive an identity from Him. And through faith, I'm an in Christ person. I'm clothed in His righteousness. God counts me to be as righteous before Him as His righteous Son. Through faith in Christ, I'm an adopted child of God. I, I'm loved by God. He's welcomed me into His family. God treats me, God treats you if you're in Christ the way He treats Jesus. And my identity rests on Him and His accomplishments, His successes. And, and realize, if, if that's true of you, if you're in Christ, that that means that your failures cannot threaten your identity. So we do a lot of boasting to try to cover up for all the shortcomings and failures and faults and sins that we know about. But this truth, justification by faith, counted righteous in Christ alone, it means that my failures cannot undo my identity. They don't undo what Christ has done for me. Even after I've sinned, I'm still in Christ. Even after I've sinned, I'm still a justified sinner. Even after I've sinned, I'm still Loved, I'm still welcomed by God in Christ, and so I don't have to boast in self anymore. I don't have to boast before God. I don't have to boast before my family and friends. My 
my value and worth, the, the, the meaning of my life, the purpose of my life, all of it rests on Jesus Christ. He's my life, my righteousness, my hope, my all. Can you say that? If you are a man or a woman in Christ, if you confess justification by faith alone, this is your boast. This is what you can say. This is your identity. This is your confidence before God and before everyone else. That you have been clothed in Christ's righteousness. And your life, your identity, your acceptance with God rests completely on Him. It it frees you from this this self-absorbed preoccupation with our own uh, greatness or even with our own sinfulness. And we rejoice in Jesus Christ. So first, uh, justification by faith excludes boasting. Paul moves on to a, a second implication. Justification by faith unites believers. It unites Believers. So, so Paul has just uh, dismantled self-righteous boasting, and then here in verses 29 and 30, he undermines discrimination, or we could say elitism, exclusivism. He he undermines discrimination, and and I think he's particularly speaking to his Jewish Christian readers there in Rome, and he's reminding them, God is not a tribal deity. God is not the God of simply a a single ethnic group. He's the God of the whole world, meaning in in this case Jews and Gentiles. And and Paul kind of he uses this interesting argument. Um, It goes like this, uh, three parts. There's one God, and there's one way of justification, and therefore there is one united family of God made up of all who have faith in Jesus Christ. Look at what he says there, beginning verse 29. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? And then he answers, yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one. So this is the the first part of the argument. There's one God. Now, and he's quoting from the Shema, from Deuteronomy 6. You know, this great confession of faith, Israel's confession of faith. Every uh, pious Jew recited it um, each day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I mean, every Jew believed this. There was no question in their minds that Yahweh, the God of Israel, is God of the whole world. There's one God. Uh, There aren't many gods, not truly. There are idols, but they have no real existence. There's one God who is the creator and judge of all people. And so Paul appeals to this, this uh, monotheism. There's there's no question in any of his Jewish readers' minds about this. That's the first part of the argument, one God. The second part, because there's only one God, there's only one way of justification. That's what he says in verse 30. He says, this one God will justify the circumcised, that is, Jewish people. He'll circumcise He'll justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised, Gentile people, through faith. In other words, God justifies everyone the same exact way, by faith. By faith. And as a little side note, those two different prepositions he uses, by faith, through faith, they don't mean anything different. It's just stylistic. Remember in English class, writing an essay, your teacher taught you to vary up your, your vocabulary. That's all it is. 
that always, I always wondered about that. I finally got to study it this week. There are not different ways of salvation for uh, different ethnic groups. There's one way. Paul says, through faith in Jesus Christ. And so there's one more part to the argument. There's one God, one way of justification. And just stay with me for another moment. One God, one way of justification, and therefore one united family of God. Now, it's a, it's a united family, but it's a diverse family made up of, of Jews and Gentiles, people from different backgrounds, different skin colors, different ethnicities, but one family. Paul is saying, one united family, united by faith in Jesus Christ. So one God, one way of justification, one family. Now, you know from reading the New Testament, this was a contentious issue in the early church. Uh, Many Jewish Christians struggled with this. Um, Could Gentile believers be full members in the family of God? Um, Do they need to become Jews first, you know, accept circumcision, embrace um, a kosher diet, and maybe after they go through all those steps, maybe then they can become uh, members in God's family. And and Paul, as you know, will have none of that. Uh, he insists again and again, including here, on faith in Christ. Those those old distinctions that used to divide people, uh, whether it was you know, descent from Abraham or, or circumcision. Paul says they're, all, they're irrelevant now. When it comes to membership in God's family, they don't count for anything. Only faith in Christ does. Now, we're used to thinking of justification um, strictly in vertical terms. You know, it, justification is about my relationship uh, to God how I'm made right with God, my individual salvation. And, and justification is certainly not less than that. Uh, but it's also more than that. You see, justification by faith, it has horizontal implications. It, it affects how I view other people. It affects how I treat other people. Um, especially in the church. I say especially people who are different from me. Uh, justification by faith has, has huge implications for things like ethnic unity and, and racism and, and racial reconciliation, um, how we can celebrate cultural diversity within, within our own church. And uh, I'll just say this morning, there's a lot that can and should be said about this, and I cannot do justice to it in the time left to me this morning. Thankfully, Paul is going to come back to this again and again in Romans. But I just want to plant a seed in your mind this morning. And I want you to hear this. Things like racism, um, ethnic unity, racial reconciliation, they're not simply social issues. They're gospel issues. You know, and maybe you're sitting there thinking, you know, what does this have to do with the gospel? I thought we were talking about justification by faith, you know, reformed doctrine, and this stuff, I mean, this is just political stuff, right? Just social issues. Let's just focus on the gospel. And I would say yes and amen. I agree with you. Let's focus on the gospel and let's follow Paul's lead. Nearly everywhere Paul talks about justification by faith, including here in Romans 3, he says justification not only reconciles us to God, 
It overcomes the social and ethnic barriers that divide us from each other. You remember Ephesians 2. You know, you, we are saved by grace, through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And we say, yes, I love that truth, justification by faith. And then Paul goes on to say, and Christ tore down the dividing wall. He, he tore down the, the barrier separating Jews and Gentiles, and God is creating one new humanity now. Um, the church is, is supposed to embody this reality of a, a united family, a diverse people reconciled to God, reconciled to each other, a family united by faith in Christ. These are gospel issues. These are gospel issues. We can't ignore them. And, and so let me just ask you to do something. You know, when, when you hear me or, or Craig talk about these things from the pulpit, don't be alarmed, okay? Uh, don't assume that we are pushing some kind of CRT agenda. We're not. We're not interested in that. Don't, don't think we're just taking our cues from the culture. We're not. Um, honestly, it would be easier for us to just ignore this topic altogether. You know, passions run hot on these things. People have... Uh, fir- Strong convictions over these things. It would be easier just to ignore them altogether. But, but we care about these issues because we care about the gospel. Because we care about Christian unity. Because we care about the public witness of the church that puts on display God's work of building one new humanity in Christ. And so justification by faith, it's more than a slogan. It excludes boasting it, it unites believers. And then third, justification by faith upholds the law. It upholds the law. See this in verse 31. You know, wherever Paul went, he heard the same um, complaint from, from his Jewish listeners. Paul, you are teaching people to disregard Moses. Paul your gospel sets aside God's law. It, it nullifies God's law. That, that's the issue Paul's dealing with in verse 31. Look, at, He says, do we then overthrow or, or nullify the law by this faith? In other words, does justification by faith destroy the law? Now, if you've been following Paul so far in Romans, um, his answer might be a little surprising. It's probably not what we would expect. He's been telling us the law can't save. The law can't change your heart. The law can only show you you need a new heart. Um, We're not justified by works. We're justified by faith in Christ. We'd expect him to say, yes, my gospel destroys the law. Instead, he says, not a chance. Why, why, Why would you think my gospel destroys the law. He says, by no means. And you know, whenever Paul says this in Romans, he's saying, look, that's a ridiculous idea. By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. In other words, the gospel doesn't toss the law aside. Paul's saying it it fulfills the law. It upholds the law. Now, how does the gospel uphold the law? And, and Paul really doesn't explain it here. He, he's going um, to weave his answer into the rest of the letter. But let me just give you th- three quick pointers. 
how does the gospel uphold the law? Well, number one, it, it fulfills everything the law pointed to. The, the types, the shadows, the pictures in the Old Testament, all of that pointed to Jesus Christ. He, Jesus is the great high priest who offers the once-for-all sacrifice for human sin. He's the true sacrifice, the true temple, and, and on and on. Jesus completes the story that began in Genesis. The, the gospel fulfills everything the law pointed to. Second, Jesus fully satisfied the demands of the law. You remember what Jesus said. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. Jesus perfectly kept God's law. You know, his life, Jesus' life was one continuous act of obedience. You know, we've all broken God's law in, in ways um, sometimes we're not even aware of. In, in many ways, Jesus kept it. And in the gospel, that, that perfect obedience of Christ fulfilling the law is, is credited to us. God regards his perfect record as yours and mine through faith in Christ. Jesus kept the law. He paid the penalty of the law for our sin. You know, the, the gospel, it's not about God letting us off the hook. I mean, the gospel agrees with the law's verdict. We are guilty. We are condemned. We're lawbreakers and deserving of God's just judgment. The gospel doesn't say, no, 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 that's not really true. The gospel says, yeah, that's all true. But God in his grace sent Jesus to endure the law's condemnation in our place. I mean, we sing about this. In my place, condemned he stood. Hallelujah, what a savior. Paul will say later in Romans, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath against our sin. He's wiped out our condemnation. So Jesus fully satisfied the demands of the law. The, the third way the gospel upholds the law is this, that the law's righteous requirements are being fulfilled in us. You see, through the, the gospel's work, we're becoming people who love and obey God's commands. Uh, Christ, we've talked about this a bit, Christ has set us free from bondage to sin. And, and now the Spirit of Christ dwells in us and the, and the Spirit enables us to obey God's commands. Um, to obey out of love, not fear. Um, to obey because God has loved us, not to try to um, earn his love, but a, a response to God's love. And, and Paul's going to talk about this later in chapter 8. He says the righteous requirement of the law is being fulfilled in us. Uh, believers, those who no longer walk according to the flesh, those who no longer live in that old way of life, but those who walk according to the Spirit. You see, the, the gospel is, um, in the gospel, we receive more than forgiveness. I mean, Forgiveness is, is absolutely wonderful, but the gospel gives us even more. It gives us a new power for obedient living. Um, not to say that we obey perfectly, um, far from it. Not to say that now that the Spirit of Christ dwells in us, obeying God is, is just, you know, it comes easily. It, it doesn't. It's often a struggle. But through Christ's work in us now, we're growing in obedience. We're learning to say no to sin and to say yes to righteousness. 
So justification by faith, it excludes boasting. It unites believers and it upholds the law. And at the risk of repeating myself too many times, I'm going to say it again, justification is more than theological jargon. It's more than theological jargon. I mean, justification by faith is truth that makes the heart sing. If you, you know, when the reality of justification by faith really starts to sink in, it, it not only excludes boasting in self, it really transforms our boasting. It replaces that self-absorbed, you know, look at me, I'm, I'm kind of a big deal way of life with something new. And, and we're going to sing about this in a few moments when we come to the Lord's table. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. You see, the, the good news about Jesus transforms our boasting. The, the gospel says that you are loved and welcomed and accepted by God, not because of your performance, but because of Jesus' performance. The gospel says you and I deserve to be forsaken. You and I deserved to be condemned because of our sin. Jesus didn't deserve any of those things. He's the obedient son, the the glorious son, the father's delight. But he took our guilt. He took our shame. He took our forsakenness at the cross and he gives us his righteousness. Free gift of a perfect standing with God. He, he fills our empty hands with His grace and He welcomes us. And Paul later is going to say, just as Christ has welcomed you, welcome each other. Sit down at the table together as, as brothers and sisters and boast, not about yourselves, boast to each other about how amazing Jesus is. Let me pray for us. Our God and Father, we, uh, we recognize how ridiculous our, our self-absorbed boasting is as if anything we have or anything we are is not a, a gift from you. Would you, Lord, help us to look away from ourselves to find in Jesus um, our life, our righteousness, our wisdom, our all. Would you help us to just uh, rejoice in his goodness and grace so that we become a people who, who boast not in anything but the cross of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.